Welcome to Finding Emo, our podcast where we discuss our favorite albums from the early aughts and thereabouts. I am Blake Fisher. I'm joined by Chris Monier and Kyle Simmons. And we love that you are here listening to the podcast. We appreciate it. We appreciate you. We would also appreciate it if you gave us five-star reviews. We ask for this every time. We're going to keep asking for it because we hope that you can you know, just find it in your heart. Uh, that's all we want for our collective birthdays, Christmases, yep. July 4th, Labor Days, uh, Hanukkahs, whatever the holidays are. Just give us reviews. That's all we want. And tell your friends about it. Father's Day coming up. Father's Day is coming up. Yeah, I know, and us. I bet, and I bet you didn't think of me, did you, listener? No. If Three. I, if I We're was, <laughs> if I was dying and I had to make a wish, it would be that five stars. Before a five star review, I don't want to. It wouldn't be. I wouldn't make a selfish wish and ask for more life. I would make a selfless wish and wish for five stars. Would you be mad, Kyle, if we continued the podcast and just got someone else to fill your spot? <laughs> And just called him Kyle. <laughs> yeah, well, we could even find another Kyle, probably. It's a pretty common name. The requirements, born on May 4th. <laughs> you have to be born on May 4th, 1982, and have the name Kyle, and be into, you know, 2000 demo music. You'll you'll replace Randy, me in no time. Randy Travis was born on May 4th. If you're listening, Randy. Randall. You're next up. What if Randy Travis was a huge emo fan? He's got to be. He's, it could happen. So cool. Yeah. I feel like country is kind of the original. Lyrically, it's more emo than anything else was. Yeah. Like before he's like, emo happened, like, right? Man, I love Waylon Jennings, but just nothing gets my heart pumping like a little good MCR, man. <laughs> that, uh, that air that, drumming. That Mikey Way can play the bass, man. I love it. Man, I secretly uh, that would... comb my bangs down when no one else is around. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, Garth might be. I mean, he was the original emo haircut. Yes, it was he the was. Chris Gaines thing, right? So. That's not too far off. That might actually be the case. Uh, anyway, we're glad you're here. Uh, today we are talking about the 2003 uh, debut album from Copeland titled Beneath Medicine Tree. And I'm the person that did the research of which there's very little information. This might be, I know we've we've talked about which albums have the least amount of information. This one has even less than the ones I think that we've done before. Because Militia Group, not a huge label, Copeland... Not a huge band. I mean, they were eventually signed to uh, Sony Columbia, but only for like a year. Uh, and I don't think it went great, obviously, if they left like a year later. Um, and so not a lot of information about this. And there's just not, uh, you know, believe it or not, when bands are starting out and they're young and they're doing their debut album, they often don't have documentary crews following them around or anything uh, to document the process. So... Uh, here's what we know about it. It was released March 25th, 2003. Easy enough to find the date it was released. Congratulations. Uh, uh, the aforementioned Militia Group label. Um, and producer was Matt Goldman and Copeland. Uh, so obviously Aaron Marsh does, the singer of Copeland, songwriter, all that stuff, does production stuff as well. So uh, that's uh, that's kind of the technical details. I really know nothing else about it other than it was recorded in Florida, where they're from, and uh, don't have any idea budget. I literally don't know how many records this sold. I, I don't know any of that. I can't find it. I didn't do too hard of a deep dive. Uh, just giving you full disclosure, I've been traveling this week. I did not get to dive as much as I wanted to, but I couldn't find anything when I looked. So uh, we're going to basically talk about a few fun facts, and then we'll just get into the track by track kind of stuff if that works for you guys. Uh, so, a couple of fun facts. Uh, I guess the title track did not make it on the album. I always wondered that. 
um, oh, Beneath Medicine Tree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it became Your Love is a Fast Song, which ended up on In Motion. So it kind of got rewritten and redone, and that song ends up on In Motion, which is um, one of my favorite songs on their second record. So um, anyway, that's where the title kind of come from. Obviously, a lot of... Um, the sort of background of the of the album, which everyone sort of knew at the time, was his grandma had died and his girlfriend was in the hospital. So this is obviously very much about uh, grief and loss and pain and uh, and and specifically medical style things. Hence the medicine tree stuff and whatnot. Because obviously, if your girlfriend's in the hospital and your grandma dies in a short period of time, uh, hospitals are kind of a, a thing. And so. Uh, you know, so that's not necessarily a fun fact, I guess, actually. <laughs> that I think about the fact, fact that I called that a fun fact. I'm Another sorry, hilarious right? little uh, ditty <laughs> about this album. Yeah. That's not a fun fact at all. Um, uh, I think, though, in the grand scheme of things, that's probably why I think the lyrics have a little bit more weight than a lot of albums from around there, because that's some real stuff going on. That's not whining about your girlfriend. Uh, that's like, hey, my girlfriend's in the hospital. That's a big problem. Um, Vulture.com named Win Paula Sparks one of uh, the deepest and richest examinations of grief uh, for that style of music. It's in the they put it in their top 100 emo songs. Wow! Was, I mean, it was number high 97, praise. but still, I'd say that's high praise. Yeah, uh, it's good to make the top 100 not albums but songs. That's a pretty good thing. Um, uh, I and this is more of a uh, sort of fun thing that I learned when I saw them live one time. So I'd seen them on the kind of final tour. And then they, that was like 2008 or whatever, uh, 2009. And then they came back, they got back together in like 2014, did another album and they toured with Paramore. Uh, and she told a story on stage about how the very first show they ever played was opening for Copeland at the end in Nashville. And so it was just kind of a cool kind of full circle thing to then be having like Copeland open for Paramore on there. That was when uh, their self-titled album was out. And so, I mean, it, they were huge <laughs> like, that was like they were big time at the time so i just thought that was a very cool thing that bands do for each other where it's like hey we like you because we've been friends for a long time we played our very first show with you and and here we are uh taking you out on tour again uh and they had like string players and stuff with them which i've always kind of been like again if copeland can tour with string players I don't understand why bands like Coldplay and uh, others uh, just, they're like, oh, we're just going to play the Pro Tools tracks. It really infuriates me because I, I'm going to guess that Coldplay has more money than Copeland. Just a guess. Shot in yeah. the dark. I think um, you're right, yeah. I haven't seen those like synced up light bracelets at any Copeland shows. Um, <laughs> those cost a lot of money, I think. And so they blew their whole string budget on bracelets. That's the they problem. really did. So uh, yeah, that's all, always it's all my, about generally accepted accounting practice. I just like, really like when people take a string player on the road or a sax player or whatever it is. Like I think it's man. a cool. Yeah. So um, more people should do that. So that's really the extent of what I know about this album. Um, uh, and so let's just talk about kind of first impressions. Let's go to you first, Kyle. First impressions of uh, Beneath Medicine Tree and Copeland as, as uh, general. And this is actually one of the first debut albums we've done in a while. Um, well, I am super glad you went to me first because I didn't share this with you guys last time. My first impression I'm giving to you guys today. What, like you hadn't listened to this album? Never listened to this album in Whoa. its entire life. <laughs> what? And so oh, how did trippy. we not Here's did you just thing. not tell us that when we decided to do this album? I did not tell you that. Okay. And 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 I thought, you know what, this could be a cool experiment because we always ask 
whether it holds up and things like that. Now, <laughs> I have to say, obviously, just because of of like comps and things like that, and you've just being, heard songs, I, absolutely. Like, I, honestly, I've heard probably three quarters of the album, but like, I never, I never listened to it as the album. I never listened to it in order, um, and even like uh, Paula Sparks or when when Paula Sparks is that right? Like, yeah, because we did that one yeah. on the uh, well, and Valentine's I had heard, Day show. And I had heard it, you know, prior to then. So, like, I know some of these songs. It's just I don't know this album at all. So Okay, well, I'm actually really excited about that because I feel like you guys got a little bit of that when we did the MXPX yep. uh, record because I hadn't really, same thing. I'd heard some of these songs. But I never really listened to the album. wasn't a huge MXPX fan. So I think it's nice. And this also proves to anyone listening how little we talk to each other about what we're going to talk about. Because <laughs> <laughs> we literally didn't know that Kyle had never listened to this album before. We're professionals, uh, folks. Okay, so let's let's hear your first impression as someone who very freshly has listened to this and didn't start 18 years ago, like Chris and I. Okay, so interesting plot twist. I did not get to hear this album in 2003 but I cannot remove all of the music I experienced in 2003 from my memory. So like while listening to this, I still went to a place, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it, it's, still, it's similar. It's still bookmarked in time. And, um, and, and like, I'll get into it on track by track because there are specific tracks that I'm like, Oh man, this reminds me so much of this. And then I would go and look and it's like, Nope, this came first. I just didn't know. I think this came first. And also, well, and I didn't, I knew that Copeland influenced a lot of people and I knew that uh, there were plenty of Copeland songs that I really liked, but I also told you, told you guys on one of the other podcasts that the worst interaction I've ever had with another human being was with Aaron Marsh (laughs) of Copeland. And, it's and by just, worst interaction, you mean it was all you being it, the oh, worst. Oh, 100%. It was me <laughs> being terrible. And the weirdest part was like, I was not, I was only trying to be nice and like have fun with him. And none of my humor was hitting at all. <laughs> it was coming across as mean. And right for those listening, I, I, I know you don't know me, but I hope that you know that I, I, don't pride myself in meanness. So like, man, it was just terrible. As a matter of fact, I reached out to my buddy who I told you guys witnessed it and tried to get a comment from him. And Jason was like, man, if I told you, if I gave you a comment, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be authentic, but he remembered it being bad. So, (laughs) so I don't think I've made it worse in my memory. The worst part in my memory is me saying, yeah, you know, I'm just so excited to hear the new record live and he's like, thanks, man. We worked really hard. And I don't know why I couldn't shut my freaking mouth. And I had to say, no, I mean Reliant K's new record. And that was it. So, Aaron, if you're listening, I'm really sorry. I think oh. you make really nice music. A really, really good music. Um, I think I think in another life we were uh, mortal enemies. It could have happened. I mean, really, yeah, it's true. I've never heard anyone describe Kyle as being mean or even having a, like a like a bad day. We're like, oh, it was probably just a bad day. Well, Kyle I was think, just, and I think you know, also he's, he was just he must a be like frustrated. a liter- a literal dude. And also, in fairness, he'd never met me. And the very first <laughs> thing I said, I was like, 
Hey man, um, watch the paint job on our van. And if anyone <laughs> knows what kind of van I was rocking, it was ugly. It was awful. First of all, it was like seafoam green, kind of, wasn't it? I with, mean, it was a- with blinds in the, in the <laughs> windows. And he looked at me as if like he was like, "Yeah, man, of course." You know, like, dude, I'm kidding. I'm, I I don't know why this. I'm so bad at this right now. So anyway, that was a long way for me to say uh, my first impression. Was still kind of interesting because it, I felt like I was whisked back to a time and a place, and so I don't feel like I got to listen to it with new ears exactly because these ears have already been worn out by this kind of music. But um, it was still it was still fun to listen to it as an album for the first time, and and I enjoy it. Well, I'm excited to go track by track and and, and get to some of the questions at the end too because I. I think that's really, it's, it's hard to always judge. It's like, am I being sentimental about this record or does it really hold up? Is it like, you know, that's like a tricky, I feel like that's hard to judge um, sometimes. Well, Chris, what was, what's yours? Do you have a, do you have a first impression of the band and or the album from way back when? I got, I got a pretty sweet first impression because we had just met one of the owners of militia group that day and we were in Los Angeles and we didn't have a place to stay. And he was like, hey, why don't you guys stay at my apartment? I'd be happy to have you guys over. Did and you then humiliate we were... him? <laughs> no, I'm so sorry, Kyle. That's just you. Like, this, this, <laughs> just you. The story just it ends with me being an admirable house guest, <laughs> oh, no. saying, saying wonderful you fond things about his decor. The rug. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Cleaned up our sleeping bags real nice. Uh. <laughs> That's a real crap hole. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, no, dude. Uh, so he gave, he gave us like, I want to say like, 10 or 20 CDs from militia group and um, was like, Hey, you guys can have these CDs. Um, and we, uh, I was just trying to find something to listen to, to go to sleep. Cause I usually listen to music before podcasts were invented. I listen to music bef- to go to sleep. So I saw the artwork. If, if you're not familiar with the artwork in this album and the original album is really cool. There was like this thin, um, I, I don't, you wouldn't call it rice paper, but it was almost like, it was like a wedding Trans- invitation, yeah. like clear um, with embossing on it kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. So it still really stuck out to me. And I was like, oh, I'll pop it in. And of course, the opening track, which we're going to go over in a second, was just kind of blew me away by how interesting it was. Um, and so, yeah, I listened to it all night and totally, totally loved it. Funny story, though, Kyle, that kind of comes around to being a jackass, if if I may, though, mm. is the next day um, – this gentleman who is a part owner of the militia group was riding in our um, van <laughs> because there was a girl uh, who was touring with us and like helping us with merchant stuff. And he goes, Hey, who, whose CD case is this? And she goes, Oh, it's mine. And he, and he opens it up and there's like five burnt CDs from his record label, which <laughs> was not good. <laughs> He goes, oh. this is killing us. This is just killing us. <laughs> and we were all just like, oh, my God, this is so awkward. Why, why, why? Uh, at least it wasn't one of the band members. I had a, I had a very firm no-burning CDs policy. Um, you know, I didn't want to steal music from the very um, craft that I was trying to make it in. So I, I guess in a way, kind of did something funny. Yeah, that's the yeah, same thing. <laughs> same as me <laughs> it's I not tried. quite but it is funny it is uh it is interesting uh so you were into it you uh, absolutely yeah well uh, it, it was it was interesting because like i was into heavier music and um you know militia group like they have rufio and uh acceptance 
Acceptance isn't like a hard band, but they have some harder songs, especially the earlier stuff. So I was not expecting something so, um, I don't know, breezy, mellow, <laughs> yeah, of. mellow, yeah. So I, feel like, uh, I liked it though. I feel like Militia Group was the like the more like, hey, we're gonna more than drive through and vagrant and and some of the other ones. They had more of that kind of in their repertoire than I feel like. Uh, that like slightly chiller. Although this this album has a lot of like like eighth note kick drum stuff going. And I mean, it's like it's pretty rocky. Yes, actually, it's yes. just like it's like the tones are not maybe there. Like the guitar, like the super heavy guitar tones. It's like that's really where they're dialing it back and the sounds. But you know, as far as what's going on on the guitars and drums and stuff like that, it's like it's pretty upbeat and stuff, especially um, compared to some of their other stuff. But um, yeah, I feel like Militia was kind of the home for some of that stuff, like uh, the little more chill. Um, chill's not the right word either. It's just like a little more laid back yeah. stuff, and this was definitely one of them. I think I got it from you, Chris. I mean, I, I, I assume since you came back with the CDs, I might have, um, but I know I had a physical copy of the CD, so I know I, I had to buy it at some point. I must have, but I mean, I think I did hear it first from you, yeah. but I actually don't remember hearing it for the first time. I know that sounds really weird because I really like Copeland. I really like this album. My memory, my first memory of like talking about this band is like, I can vaguely picture where we were. It was somewhere over by the blue note, I think. And it was like some party outside and me and Chase Kirby were just like for an hour talking about like, cause we both discovered Copeland and just loved it. And so, uh, that's like my first memory of remember like talking about them and really liking it, but I don't remember actually the first time hearing it or listening to it, uh, which is kind of a funny thing because normally most of these albums I'm like, oh, I remember I bought it at this store and I listened to it and I I can remember like a time and place kind of thing, but for some reason this one I cannot remember exactly. I just have that memory of uh, chatting with Chase about it um, and mostly being super impressed by his falsetto. Uh, I just like mm-hmm. loved his his voice. Um, I thought it was so good. Um, so that was kind of my first impression. Uh, nothing, nothing too crazy. And I do just remember liking the, like the feel of the whole album and how the first like six tracks were just kind of like this seamless, like kind of perfect thing. I really like the whole record, but I just feel like those first six tracks are really like a really great little, um, thing kind of like, I feel like California is kind of like the peak of that, that first six tracks. And then we kind of do this for the rest of it. Just kind of like uh <laughs> flatten out and like in a good way, not in a bad way at all. Just kind of like, you know, going from the brightest, which is like super chill, especially for an opening track and kind of building up to that, uh, Paul Sparks and California, uh, duo of songs in the middle of the record. Uh, yeah, I just really liked it. I think it was really good. Um, so, um, Shall we just jump into track by track then? Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. Well, speaking of the brightest, that's the first track we're going to do. Here we go. Chris, let's go to you first. I feel like I'm going to go to Chris first more, not because I don't like you, Kyle. I'm just interested in like the old versus the new. Yeah, I get it. So anyway, Chris, what's your uh, uh, your thoughts on the brightest? God, what a freaking kick butt way to 
kick off a record. I just, I don't know, man. I thought, I think that starting off with a ballad like that is a pretty brave way to just kick off a record. Just him and the piano. Uh, it, I can tell you that it just completely blew me away the first time I heard it. I was not, that's just not what you expected to hear in your CD player at the time. Like a first track is usually, usually open with a banger. Even like, even if you're a breezy mellow band, like you, you kick it off with something a little more upbeat. Um, and it just, it introduces you into, to his voice very quickly. And you're like, Oh, this guy can sing. And it's a very pretty song. And I was dating a girl, um, who was, deployed at the time like so she was all the way across the ocean very far away and i i just remember thinking like like oh i wish i could play the song for her right now it, it's weird to think there was, there was no way to get that music to her now you just email it to yeah. her or whatever like, like, here's the spotify yeah, link do, do message yeah you just go right here listen to the song you'll love it um so uh, yeah it, it was it, it, i thought it was absolute absolutely incredible very could just feel the talent oozing out of the speakers from the from the moment i heard it or headphones in in this case yeah, I think it was like uh the I hadn't no one had like opened an album like this. I mean, even the even the albums we've talked about that had like chiller openings, Clarity, for example, or you know, stuff like that. It's like the purpose of that of Table for Glasses was like it built into a thing. You know, this is literally like piano, organ, and guitar and vocals, and there's like no click. It's like they're all kind of feeling it and I, I it's just like it was unlike anything that I was hearing in 2003 everything else was first of all and even with militia group we joke all the time Chris about how they just like no matter what they stacked the first two tracks on the record to just be like holy cow like and they were always the like it was always like a single generally one of them it was always like like just really a one-two punch they were just that's what they did yeah. really well I feel like mm-hmm. um and I don't know. Uh, this was obviously pretty. This is early in Militia Group too. Um, and oh, very and, early, yeah. Yeah, this is like one of the first things they released, and and I just feel like it's such a it's such a contrast to what was happening at the time for sure. It's like it's the slowest song on the record. It's not singleish at all. There's nothing about it that's like, but it, it it feels like it would be in the middle of every other record we we do on this podcast. And they were like, nope, we're coming out the gates. This is who we are. We've got piano. We're not afraid to be vulnerable. And mm-hmm. and it really sets the tone for the whole, and I always say it all the time, but like it's the right track for the beginning of it because it really does kind of set uh, the rest of it up really well. Um, but so, yeah, I love it. It's beautiful. And uh, I, I uh, you're right. Immensely talented would be a great way to describe um, what's going on here. I love the arrangement of it. Uh, Kyle, what are your thoughts on Brightest? as an opening track. Had you heard Brightest? Uh, was that one of the three-fourths of the record you'd heard? So I don't think I had heard Brightest. Okay. And so what's funny about this is I really like the song. It's really nice. Uh, his voice sounds wonderful. I love the line. Uh, what is it? And she said that I was the brightest little firefly in her jar. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's a trip is I cannot, because I heard this after my first initial thought when I heard this was like, man, this sounds so much, this vibe is we're so far away by May on the Everglow, but the Everglow didn't come out until 2005. Yep. Two years later. And so it's a trip for me. And also let me just say this, that's not meant to be an insult to May or Copeland. Both songs rule. Um, But it's, it is trippy because you're, you know, you're talking about how this was, you know, they were kind of pioneers of 
of this sound or even taking a stab at starting off slow. And yeah, I mean, it was two years later before May did it. And that I remember loving the crap out of that song. Um, this has very strong May vibes for me. And I agree. I, and I'm I think they're say that I think a they're lot. both very similar. Yeah. They're I mean, sim- not in bands. a, not in a ripping each other no, off. Way. Not they all. just both have that. Like, I feel like they're not afraid to like genre jump. Yeah. Not like in a crazy way. It's not like they were starting to rap in the middle of these records or something like that, but that would be unexpected. When they're we were, comfortable doing whatever works for the song. Like, when, I feel like they're really good about May will put a flute solo on something. Like if that's what the song requires. I think also what a lot of on this record where it reminds me of May, it's a little bit of what you were doing earlier when you were trying to describe how they still rock, but it's like different. Yeah. That is May to a T. I mean, like they rock, but it's, it's not heavy and it's not fast. Um, and a lot of this album is that for me. I agree with that. And their first album came out one month before this one did February 25th, Whoa. 2003. So, um, so yeah, really May and this record were two of the ones that really kind of went, I was like, Oh, this is kind of opening me up to a different yeah. kind of thing. Like I, uh, you're right. They rock still, but they are not, a, it's not like they have to be that all the time. I can tell that there are conversations. It's like, man, should we put this piano ballad without a click and three instruments on it at the opening of the record? And I feel like, yeah, you go like, yeah, why not? I mean, it works, you know? Yes. I'm, so I'm glad they did it. <laughs> so I am super glad they did it. It was an yeah, awesome I, move. I think it's a good, good move. Um, shall we go on? So you feel like it's a strong move too, Kyle, for the, for oh, the first yeah. track? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I thought, I mean, cool. when I like, hearing the record in its entirety for the first time i was i say that it reminded me of that may song but i love i love that band for anybody yep. listening that doesn't know this i named my daughter her middle name is may m-a-e after the band so like yeah. that is high praise for me and so like i was instantly in like oh this is gonna be good and uh it was a great it's a great opener Agreed. Well, let's go to the second track, Testing the Strong Ones. I've got to bust you out of here somehow. I've never seen your heart this tired. Never seen your spirit held down. Chris Mounier's doing air guitar, so he gets to go first. That's how you win this game. What are yeah. your thoughts on testing the strong ones? And that bridge is so awesome. Uh, the the Weezer vibes. The eight, you already said something about the eighth notes, right? Eighth uh, note yeah, kick they, stuff. They, yeah, yeah, very much a Weezer thing that yeah, I love uh, that they did. And so many bands from this time like did that, and I, I never caught it because like if it didn't sound like Weezer, I. But if you played this kind of music for somebody who like was kind of like just outside to be like oh it's kind of like a, got a weezer thing going on i guess and yeah you know like yeah i guess it does the eighth note build up that was kind of a a weezer thing this song's cool um love the big jangly opening guitars i don't think you can really emphasize enough how hard it is for a rock musician to play songs at this tempo i don't know if you guys agree with me here <laughs> this is a hard tempo to play well 
Um, well, and it, not it, rush. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's the specific part. Yeah. Um, and they, they do it really, really well. The drums sound uh, perfecto. Very nice. Um, uh, even though it's that just that weird tempo where you just you just want to like start jumping at it, but you can't. Um, and then uh, once again, we've got the the whole song crescendoing up to some cool endings. Um, this is something they do very well. It's a good song. Yeah, I love, I mean, first of all, it's 6-8, but it doesn't feel like 6-8 because of that eighth note kick. It's kind of weird. Um, if you isolated the drums on this, you would think the song was great. Like, I don't know, if you... I mean, like, <laughs> like a you would think song. something else was happening, right? <laughs> yeah. And then, but it, it's cool how it goes from that, like, super chill roads and him doing that falsetto thing where it's just, like, him on an island, like, once again, not covering anything up, and then everything comes in with those big guitars, and, and I love it. I mean, I just, I love that they are willing to go, like, up and down and jump all around uh, as far as the um the feel of like oh yeah we're, we're it makes it super dynamic because obviously if you just did that kick drum the whole time it'd get old about a minute into the song and the kick drum the, the drummer's leg would fall off too uh if you if you had to play the, the eighth notes for the whole time as chris will it attest true. having to play those weezer songs in our uh weezer cover band uh <laughs> when he has to hang out on the Especially if we extend that last part of uh, of uh, the sweater song. <laughs> yeah, then I do the then I do the uh, slow down for effect, but it's really just because my glutes are screaming. Uh, exactly. <laughs> uh, so, Kyle, what are your thoughts on uh, testing the strong ones? Track two. Uh, really like this track. Uh, it 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 rocks so hard, and also, uh, hats off to my arch nemesis. Aaron Marsh, uh, <laughs> dude, like when you can show, uh, I, I, I don't know that I'm ever more impressed by a vocalist than when they can show range without volume change. Ooh, that is a really good point, Kyle. And, yep. and like, he's not, he, the, like he's singing at this. It seems like he's not pushing. He's not singing at a different volume, but his range is crazy on this song. So yeah, I mean, I, his lyrics are great. I mean, I, I really, uh, I mean, I like a lot of his stuff, but I, I mean, I just love the line about like, uh, and I'll tell you, I'm sorry that I can't take this pain away from you, and I'd put it on my own body if I knew how to. I mean, I just, I think that's a great like how you feel totally helpless when someone you know is in yeah. the hospital or sick or whatever, and you can do absolutely nothing about it. You know, uh, that helplessness is. I feel like he captured that really well. Mm-hmm. Um, in, I, I mean, I assume that's what's going on. And like I said, it. it Clearly, um, this is about either his grandma or his, or his girlfriend. I don't know which one. Uh, the The album kind of, I think, is mixing and matching those a little bit. But um, I just think that's a great uh, sentiment. And I think most people have been there, too. So it's super relatable. And it's way, like I said, it's got a, a bigger depth to it than um, poor me, girls don't like me or something like that. It's, it's, like, <laughs> yeah. it's like, oh, this is like a real situation. So I just feel like the, the weight well, of that, but without it being, it doesn't feel like a sad song though. It, it's, that makes the, sense. it's the opposite of that though. Like when the, the line that you were just talking about, like it's the opposite of selfishness, right? Like it's yep. selflessness. Like when you're, when you want to take someone's pain away, that's a pretty beautiful thing. So. Yeah, I love it. I think uh, I, I think he continues to even get better after uh, this album. But I mean, it's a pretty premature. I don't know how old is he at this point. I mean, I, I'm gonna have to look that up when we play the next track. Uh, can't be, probably six. Not nearly old enough. Yeah, probably not very. Uh, okay, well, let's go to track three, Priceless. I'm so proud of you. 
I feel like this is the first song that we get to hear kind of his uh, background vocal coolness that he does, like where there's like kind of parts swimming on top of each other. And I'm sure that like when he's like, hold on, okay, give me another pass. And then I'm sure the producers go like, what are you going to do? And then by the time it all gets together, it's really cool. Um, but uh, I, I've just never been able to think of stuff like that. And so I'm always really impressed by people that have, oh, well, this part's going to do this and I'm going to sing on top of that. And like, I can think of a harmony that is exactly in line <laughs> With the, yeah. the lead part, that's what all I'm if, good for. Yeah, Mr. Producer, what if I did this? What if I do that, but a third <laughs> above it? Uh, like, not very creative, honestly. Uh, and I just feel like he's really good at those kind of, like, parts going together and stuff. And so that's one thing I like about this. But, uh, Kyle, let's go to you on Priceless. Yep, I, I, I dig it. I hadn't heard this song before, and I really like the, uh, the dual vocal. Um, and, I mean, it 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 sounds like wonderful emo to me i agree and i like that we are uh like i said there seem to be some thematic kind of things too it's like we've got firefly dragonfly i don't know they're just like i feel like he's stitching stuff together and not just uh i don't think it's all coincidence i feel like it's it really does feel like a whole album by the way he was 27 so he was a little older oh okay I'm he's guessing. uh he's born in 75 so he's a little older than us uh not by a lot so. but an old man back then we would have been like how old are you you yeah. can be Whoa. that old my you god can... <laughs> <laughs> chris, chris what are your thoughts on priceless uh the simile in the chorus always bothered me a little i'm just being honest sorry which one? Oh, like because uh, i need you like the gra- dragonfly's wings yeah i don't know similes so, are hard the lazy man's literary device I'm not that great of a songwriter. I here I am, like you know, throwing stones. I just it just I, I don't know. It was just like it's so in your face. Um, still That's a great fair. line. <laughs> it's still That's a great fair. line. <laughs> and I always thought it was uh, rain, not wind. Like the dragonfly's wings need the wind is what he says. I always thought it yeah. was rain, and I thought he was doing like a reverse thing because I'm pretty sure dragonflies, if they get rained on, like it messes up their wings. So I always thought he's doing like. Like, like, oh, I, I don't need you, which I thought was weird because it didn't really fit the theme of the album, which is all about, like, really needing somebody. Well, it, it turns out I'm wrong. That's the whole point. Like, it was wind. And that makes perfect sense. Wings it do It does sound like he's playing, <laughs> saying rain, doesn't it? Hey, yeah. so I have to ask because you, you're saying it sounds like he says rain. With what you just said, Chris, I have to know right now <laughs> how you feel about everything but the girls song, Like the Deserts Miss the Rain. Oh, well, that doesn't count because that's also an America song. <laughs> and America's allowed to do it. And so then by ipso facto, you know, Kevin Bacon, five layers, whatever, well, I mean, then they're allowed to. That To me, that's the quintessential simile. Maybe that's peak simile and no peak one's allowed to simile. do it anymore. Yeah, yep, it's been that's, done. That's really what I'm saying. Like, Perfected. similes have been done. That's been done, man. But, I don't know, that's my reference. I, 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 <laughs> I think you're right. I mean, Chris, I similes are hard, uh, which is why I love that format. How line hard so are much they? about mixing? <laughs> like, well, they're uh, like, 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 like. <laughs> <laughs> but specifically in lyrics, because it's it's like it's such a. Um, you hear dirty, the word? Was no, that no. dirty Johnny? Wait, wait. Was that dirty Johnny Carson? How hard? That was unintentional. That was unintentional. <laughs> Dirty. Sorry, but I didn't interrupt. I had How to hard are they? 
Yes. You are saying, as, yeah. my best Ed McMahon. <laughs> By the way, that's it. You are correct, sir. It's terrible. Uh, it's been a long Go time on. since I watched Johnny Carson. Um, you hear the word like, and you just know what's coming. There's just no way to... to whereas, you know, you can be a little more clever with a metaphor. And, and maybe I think that's the thing that... that that ruins most similes because you just hear the word like and you're already Braced. going mm, yeah. okay what what's he gonna say so i i feel you on that i think but i feel that way about a lot of them i'm trying i have to go through and find the similes i like in songs that might be a fun playlist on spotify for me to try start Ooh. compiling is uh, similes yeah. i really enjoy in lyrics um that might be it. Might because I, I do. I I catch myself doing the same thing, Chris. I'll hear a song. And go, oh, I just feel like that was a little. Because they're either way too on the nose or they're way too cheesy sometimes. Yep. And that one, I you know it doesn't bother me a lot, but I can see where you're coming from. So uh, let's the, go. The t- outro. Sorry, I do want to say the outro on the song with the falsetto and everything. Oh yeah, it again ends, it ends spectacularly. Yeah. The falsetto and the multiple vocals and. Um, yeah, and I think uh, you got to uh, definitely Copeland has a drummer that like knows exactly what a song needs. So it's like, oh yeah, we're going eighth note kicks on the track before, uh, or testing the strong, yeah, tra- track before, and then no, no, here we're gonna sit back and really be like hanging out on that ride. And you're right, this tempo is like, y- you know, we. It's funny when we were that age. By that age, I mean like when we were in a band in 2003. It was uh, all we could do to not rush everything. I mean, I remember like the click track was was holding us back from going too fast. And then at some point we got old enough that like <laughs> we started like the click track was help, helping us uh, stay up with yep. the, the the speed of the music that we were supposed to play. So uh, there's definitely a youth thing that uh, that maybe goes into youth and being white and just not being able to hang on the on the tempo for well enough without a cowbell no in our ears no yeah we just don't have we just don't have that built in uh, into uh into us i guess so uh let's go to when or sorry take care here we go Kyle, let's go to you first. Take care. I feel like this is a, was this one you heard before? I think so. Okay. And what and, do you think of it now? Either way. <laughs> well, dude, I think that, uh, I think there's a ton of cool vocal stuff going on on that song. Yes. And, um, again, like, you know, he's maybe pushing it on that one part over, but like, it's just amazing to me that he's, his voice is so, is so like, I don't even know what to call it, but he's, it's almost like, He's just chill and it sounds so good. And I feel like when I'm singing easily, I guess is what I'll call it, is when I sound the suckiest. Like I sound, <laughs> oh, I sound bored or and like anybody that's singing in that range to me typically sounds bored. They need, they lack energy and he doesn't, his voice sounds really nice. Um, it, I mean, all the stuff that you just played, 
definitely super cool parts. Um, I, I feel like maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like I hear like intentional timing imperfections going on a little bit. Um, well, I like he's kind of riffing on that la- that part I played. It's is that like, what that is? Well, I mean, it, to me, it's like a pop song. It's like if a Christina Aguilera on the last chorus of her song, it's like there's the vocal line that's kind of doubled underneath and then she's riffing on top of it or whatever. And I feel like he's kind of doing that. It's like yeah. there's that vocal under that's doing the choruses he did previously, yeah. but then he's kind of soaring on top of it and it doesn't have to be perfect because it's kind of, like I said, it's kind of riffing on what's already there. Well, he um, sounds good. Yeah, and I feel like he's got such clarity too. Like so many vocals I like, and then we've talked about on this podcast. I go, what I like, I like sometimes the grit in people's vocals, just because you can hear that. Um, you know, uh, Kenny from Starting Line is a great example of someone I just I really like when he gets a little growly. Oh, yeah. But what I love about Aaron Marsh is that like he's just clean, man. His vocals like he gets soaring high where you can tell he's kind of belting, and it's crystal clear and when he does falsetto it's crystal clear and when he's singing in in a lower register it just always sounds really clean it just sounds really nice and pretty and i would like never put distortion on his vocals like never uh because it would just be a disservice to how how pretty it is i mean that's a i don't know if that's a compliment i don't know if people like to hear that their voice is pretty um, his is a nice one. but his is a very pretty voice and i really like it hey uh, real quick i'd like to yep. clarify because you just kind of flew right past it when you mentioned the starting line you were talking about kenny avasoli mm. <laughs> you always have you to really get that. did him a disservice yes <laughs> Yeah, I'm sorry that I didn't uh, <laughs> pronounce his last name correctly or at all. Uh, hey, Chris, if he's what listening, you... you know he's just like, Mama Mia! <laughs> Mama Mia. <laughs> Chris, what, what are your thoughts on Take Care? Uh, you guys already kind of said it. It's an up, it, It's about as an up, upbeat jam as you get on this record, um, and it is spectacular. Um, I, man, I, this, I feel like in another life, in another parallel universes could have been like a, a hit single like I, it sounds cheesy saying that but it's like a really good song it's a great song <laughs> and it's like, like it, it was like too good for this world like when when, it, when you hear when you hear it on this like little indie label um it's like wait this is really good like it, so yeah i'm also torn on i um sometimes i love when people start a chorus or start the chorus, start the song with the chorus. Oh, yeah. I love it in this case because it's got that great little intro and the it chorus works. is in. And some people are like, no, you're wasting, you know, you're you're blowing it right at the beginning. There's nothing else for someone to be excited about for the rest of the song. But it doesn't feel like that on this song. Like, I feel like that's a, it, they open with the chorus. Uh, it works I, really well. And by that last one, he's doing yeah. all those other vocal things. And so it never gets boring uh, because they're never really doing the same thing. Um, twice, but it's a really simple song, and it's really beautiful, and it's a sweet song. I agree. It Chris. never, uh, it never occurred to me that the song started off with the chorus. I like that. that I did not realize it until you just said it. And so it obviously works. It, it didn't s- stick out to me. It's anything weird. Good yeah, job, I love guys. It. Good work. Uh, well, let's go to win Paula Sparks.
feel like Paula is uh, a super popular name for a pop song. I've just I don't know if I've ever heard another song with Paula in it. Have you? There's it's not. But this is a great. This is definitely the best Paula song ever. There's no way there's a better one. I was thinking that when I listened to it, I was like, that is a, a unique name for a song. Yes, uh, or for a, na- a name in a song. Oh, glad you said that. That's that's funny. Uh. But so I wonder, I mean, does anyone know if Paula is, I assume, the girlfriend or the grandma? But I would assume. I would assume grandma. Uh, assume I would assume grandma, grandma right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, and so I would assume grandma at that point, but uh, hard to say. But yeah, I mean, this song is really good Kyle what are your what are your thoughts on when Paula Sparks so obviously I had heard this song before yeah uh it's a great song I mean great falsetto I love the groove the little bass groove going on in the clip that you played um yeah it, it rocks and also uh just to kind of go back to me getting to listen to this album for the first time I don't think that like I don't think it's like a grand departure but it's not the same quite the same vibe as the song that comes before it. So it's a nice little change. So when I also feel like we're like, to me, these next two tracks are kind of inseparable. You really have to play them together. I mean, I just, I, if you, if I play when Paula sparks without California, I just, you know, especially since the intro to it is at the end of this track, technically, uh, I just, I kind of left wanting, it's like not listening to, uh, the load in and stay by Jackson Brown. I feel like you just, you can't only listen to one half of that thing. You've got to do both. Uh, it's, um, and, and so I, I like that. Uh, I like that. It was, it feels like it was a planned thing. Um, and as I mentioned on our Valentine's day episode, I asked my wife to marry me to this song. So I like it quite a bit, obviously, uh, like approves. both of us do. <laughs> uh, Chris, what are your thoughts on when Paula sparks? The sweeping atmospheric vocals in the ver- verses are, are just so cool. Um, and I like what they did the kind of chill version of, I like the chill version of the first chorus and then get you excited mm-hmm. about the, the things to come. Um, and then the kind of call and answer thing in the chorus. This is just a really well put together song. It's kind of got a kick butt, like almost Journey-esque guitar solo in the middle too. Um, that just fits with it perfect. Never um, thought and, about that, but I do like yeah, it. Yeah, and, and like you said, the, the the way the outro is about to fade into the next song is um, it's just very well put together. Yeah, I mean, I the those two the the kind of um, that swimmy you know vibrato guitar that starts it, and then that other kind of lead line comes in, and I, I just think it's really great. And uh, it's got a great intro. The groove on it's fantastic. Again, the drummer just doing exactly what needs to happen here. And, fill in the uh, space perfectly. Yeah. Wait, letting and, letting the guitars fill the space, like leaving the space for the rhythm section. Yeah, great. It just it's um, they did a really 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 good job. Uh, so let's go to the aforementioned California that this track goes into, and we'll play that. Here we go.
this one is really, I feel like you can't appreciate, if you've not listened to this record, or if you've not listened to it in a while or something like that, you really, my 30 second clip is worthless for this song. <laughs> I feel like, because <laughs> you really need to listen to When Paul Sparks, Back to Back with California, because that guitar line in the Rocky part is the intro on whatever that is, Mellotron or whatever it is that's playing. I think it's a Mellotron. Um, and I just feel like it really bookends this song really well, but I had to pick like 30 seconds. So I went with that part cause I like the, the build into that. And I especially love that when they play this live, like on the recording, they never go back into the chorus. It's just instrumental for the rest of the song, but live he would go into singing that, like come back from California, but like belting it at the top of his lungs kind of thing. And it was awesome. And it was kind of one of those things where I was like, why did you not do that on the record? That had to have been an idea. And I, it's like, I do like the instrumental part, but I also just go like, oh, I just love when he, every time he did it live, it gave me like chills. I mean, it's like unbelievable. Um, yep. And so um, if you uh, didn't get a chance to see them live, you probably won't now. I don't know that they're really touring or anything anymore. So uh, Chris, what are your thoughts on California? Oh, this is a great song. Um, I, I, just think it's so rad when a band coming out, you know, its first release has the the gall to layer that many different instruments um, on on a track. You've got strings. Um, you've got I don't. What is that instrument at the beginning? It's like a whistle. I think it's a mellotron. I think it's a mellotron. Um, oh, you said that. That's what yeah, you were yeah, referring yeah. to. Was it's, a you know, a mellotron is a keyboard instrument that has. I mean, they probably weren't using a real one. They were probably using. An I figured it was a synth. Anyway, I guess. Yeah, but but like it was the Beatles. You know, it's like the sixty. Uh, it actually had rolls of tape for every key that had like sixteen seconds of a sample of someone playing something like a flute or a violin or something like that. And what's okay. really funny is that everyone thought all the string players thought they were going to be out of jobs, which is funny because it doesn't sound like someone actually playing <laughs> one of those instruments. That is funny. And so what literally happens is like you press a key, it starts playing this tape. And then when you let go of the key, it snaps the, it rewinds the tape back immediately. It like snaps it back. Cause it's just like That's 16 trippy. seconds. Oh, it's like a crazy instrument. Right. God, and I've never actually seen bands one in had real... to work their butts off, man. Yeah, I've I've never actually <laughs> seen one in real life. I mean, I've I've fake I've used fake versions of software um, emulations of them. Uh, I would love yeah. to play with one in real life though. And yeah, and so to change the sound, you had to change all those little tapes. So if you want yeah. to change it from like flute to violin, I don't know. I've never yeah, so anyway, it was uh but yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what it is. It's probably an emulator, I'm going to guess. But maybe not. I don't know. Uh, be curious to find that out. I also uh, this this song. I have to say, reminds me of like one of my other favorite, like lesser known bands from this era. A band called Two Thirty Eight. I'm pretty sure they're from Florida. I like to think that, I, and I think Copeland is from Georgia. No, they're from Florida. Aha! See, Hence the I line. knew it. I feel come back like, from California, or uh, yeah, all your friends yeah. in Florida. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I was like, there's got to be some influence or overlap there because 238 is a very unique sounding band and this song's got some 238 vibes. Yeah. I think, I feel like Florida had some vibes at the time. I feel like Florida doesn't get, Florida doesn't get a lot of uh, credit for vibes, but I feel like they, you're right, 238, Yellow Card. There's quite a few that were either originally from Florida or still in Florida. Cartels Uh, from Georgia, which I mean. Cartels, yeah, Georgia. 
yeah, there's a, uh, yeah, that's an interesting, I feel like Florida, and I mean, Florida, why wouldn't they have? They're like the fourth most populous state in the country, right? The Florida of states, yes. <laughs> yeah, they're like, <laughs> there's like a bunch of people there. So yeah, it would make sense that like. Florida man makes fantastic music. Why would they not have a ton of people from New Jersey? Which, by the way, somehow I got wrong and someone corrected me in the comments of one of our things. I, uh... I said someone was from New Jersey and they're from Long Island. I think it was Taking Back Sunday, by the way. Oh. And so, correction made uh, on <laughs> speaking of states Noted. that I was uh, that I got a state wrong on a band. So, apologies. But that's why we have comments and uh, social media and stuff like that. You can so correct so the, so the geography police can go there and <laughs> they can. freak out. They can go there, uh, and that's fine. And Long Island is so close to New Jersey. You can see why it's I got the same confused. Thing. There's a lot of bands from that area at the time. So, yeah, I think uh, brand new Tank Back Sunday were Long Island, not New Jersey. Sorry. I think. Or maybe I just got it wrong again, and maybe it was backwards. I don't know. I We're we're winging this thing, guys. They'll tell like, you. Yeah, they'll tell me. So tell me in the comments when I'm wrong again. Um, uh, songs about California. There are a lot of songs about California, but this is one of my favorites, I feel like. It's a... It's a really good one. Maybe not about California, but, you know, mention California. Uh, Kyle, what are your thoughts on, on California? I'm sure you've heard this one before, too. So I have. I, I had heard it before. It was familiar. I don't, like, know it super well. And this is another one that was funny to me because I kind of got to experience influence out of order. And so I don't know if you guys remember, there was a band on um, Doghouse called Paulson. They put out I one vaguely record. Remember that. Oh, you get okay. I'm gonna send you. I'm I'm gonna text you guys this song you should listen to. But like, there's a part uh, that was I think actually in the clip that you played where the guitar just like one time goes, and like there's a whole song of that, and it's a lot of the sounds are very similar. It's a song called "Voids" by Paulson, a New Jer- Jersey band, by the way. Um, are you sure? I am from New Jersey. I am certain. <laughs> Okay, Midland I'm Park. certain, and I don't care. Um, no, it doesn't the, matter. The, it doesn't matter. Um, but it's weird because there's just no question to me that like this song influenced their band in a little way, and I just I heard them out of order, and so it's just so crazy to. It was so crazy to be like, dude, that's that had to have influenced them uh, because you know clearly this is this is a good record and influenced people. It came two years before, I believe the record I'm talking about came out in 05 and it's like, I can't, I just can't not hear it. So I'll send it, I'll send it to you dudes and you can find out. And you should just check out that band Paulson. They put out one record. They're kind of the one of the one and done dudes. And yeah, it is a kick butt record. I don't want to hear it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I do feel like Copeland was maybe a little bit of a band's band. I, in a I bit. agree completely. Don't you think? Like, yeah. I, I feel like every... Yeah. A lot of people I knew in bands really liked them a lot, but I don't feel like they had like just tons of success. I mean, most shows I saw them at were smaller venues. I mean, the biggest venue I saw was the, you know, as I mentioned, the Paramore show that they opened for. Uh, but every other venue I've been at is like a, you know, 500 person venue. Maybe, uh, I guess I saw them open for Switchfoot one time, and that was probably a bigger venue at the time. That might have been a thousand people or something like that. But, um, but yeah, they're great live, and, and that's a, I, I think I'm with you. I think that's a, I think they're kind of a band's band. So I, I do hear it's interesting for you to hear it 
a little fresh and be like, oh, this sounds like that. Oh, and yeah. that came after this album. Oh, and this sounds like that. And, you know, and I don't think these people are, no one's ripping each other off. We're not no, saying that. No, I, th- I think it's inspired. No, it's yeah. inspiration. Yeah, it's just yeah. going, and, and maybe giving some permission to be like, oh, we can do that. You yeah. know, other people are doing similar things. So, hey, Is also, that, oh, oh, go ahead, Kyle. Well, I was going to say, you guys mentioned the artwork earlier, and I meant to chime in and say that I always thought it was funny. Hmm. Funny may not be the right word. Funny might not be, just like Um, fun facts might not be the right word. Yeah. uh, Why? I mean, I feel like the person dying is like the most handsome drawing of a person ever that's about to receive CPR. Right. It's a good looking dude. they're, 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 They're in trouble. And I know that because someone's trying to, you know, start their heart again. But otherwise, they're pretty flawless. Well, well I mean, good-looking people the... do die, Kyle. I know, That's but true. I mean, I'm th- like a heart attack. What's going on? Did this kid drown because he seems untouched? <laughs> I... Too young for a heart attack, in my opinion. He's not drowning. He's in a full clothing, <laughs> so we know he didn't clothing. like he didn't he drown. Probably. I mean, you can drown in full clothing, I guess. I but wonder he wasn't swimming. if in 2003, I wonder if his vape pen exploded. And lodge. There were not vape in pins in 2003. We were. Oh yeah, yeah that's right. We were far away People were smoking that. cigarettes in 2003. Kyle, that's right. Okay. Um, yeah, I got good that. question. I got confused. I do know their bassist did shoot the photos of the hospital stuff behind the. Oh, um, okay. Behind the, it is weird to explain, but yeah, there was like a sheet of like kind of see-through white paper that had the outline it, it of that. It is completely lost in translation as far as digital yeah. format goes. Like, Yeah, well, it a, really is. It's a country song, though. I mean, you already got the title. Too, too Handsome to Die Young, something too like that. I mean, all the pieces young? are there. Yeah, too Handsome to See? Die, something. Yeah, okay. We, <laughs> yeah, could, we could make that a thing. I'm just saying, it's a, han- it's a handsome young guy. I can't tell what's gone wrong other than he's being revived. I mean, I guess maybe he choked on some food. Well, but that's not what you do for choking. That's not Heimlich. That's a bad medical procedure. That's uh, that's clearly CPR. Oh, you're saying if he was doing that, maneuver, if he was choking, was the wrong you maneuver. Would do the Heimlich. Heimlich. Yeah, you but you know, it's possible that the person administering care didn't know what the heck they were doing. Yeah, which could have been the reason the handsome man died. Yep. <laughs> if you're trying to give someone CPR and they've got something in their throat. It's not going to help. So yeah. really, the so you're saying the album artwork might just be a documentary of, of a terrible tragedy. Yeah. It could be. CPR knowledge. No, Chris, I'm saying <laughs> a mystery. It's an unsolved mystery. Murder mystery. Uh, okay, let's go to track seven. She changes her mind. We'll call this the back half of the album. Chris, let's go to you first. This song is does like when it starts off here, like you are not aware of. The it starts with take it starts off. with click 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 yeah. on the on the on this on the drums. I mean, it's like literally like a count in kind of, 
and you have no idea where it's going. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because I would say it starts off a little weird compared, like, just relative to, like, where it goes. Because the core freaking jams, dude. I mean, that part you played, you've got freaking chimes coming in, like, All-American Rejects, Reliant Kate style, you know. I remember playing those in percussion. You had to have, like, a hammer. Once again, <laughs> they're probably, uh, you know, using a synthesizer or something. But that's a bold move. Yep. Good song. And I, uh, that drum... The drum fills there. I mean, we're showing some chops, right? Absolutely. There's some yeah, awesome the drumming. There's some like bendy guitar solo stuff. I mean, this song freaking rocks, but yeah. you're right. You don't, if I played you that intro and then that part, you'd be like, oh, those are the same, those are the same song. No, sir. Uh, that is not the same song. <laughs> but they are. Uh, yeah, this song freaking rocks. Uh, Kyle, what are your thoughts? Had not heard this song. It freaking rocks. Freaking rocks. I, I like, I have no, nothing to influence me except for a song that freaking rocks all of that stuff, the drums, the build. Uh, also, I think his voice sounds a little bit different on this song. It reminds me of Andrew from Jack's mannequin on this song. I can hear that a little bit. Ooh, yeah. So. Another band that came out a little bit after this. Well, I mean, I guess something corporate came out before that. So he probably already had his voice at that point, but um, I can hear that. So let's go to, there cannot be a close second. Here we go. So forgive me. Please I don't know what to do. Can you look at me? There can be no hesitation. There cannot be a close second to you. I don't know what to do. Uh, okay, so uh, there cannot be a close second. Chris Monier, what are your thoughts? Good tune. Solid tune. I'm a huge fan. More bass drum on the eights. I can't get enough. I love it. Mm, nom, 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 nom. I just yep. I love it. Keep it up. Um, <laughs> I I thought that there cannot be a close second. It was the is the most Aaron Marsh way of saying if you're not first, you're last. It's like a sweeter kind of. It's a it. sweeter way to say the Ricky Bobby line. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If you ain't first, you're last. <laughs> there cannot be a close second. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that the 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 medical uh, and um, sort of that whole thing of the record that seems like a theme, and then the eighth note kicks feels like the other theme of this record because we have it on several songs. Um, and uh, I, I'm into it, Kyle. What is, what are your thoughts on there cannot be a close second? Had you heard this one before? I I'm not certain. Like it sounds familiar to me. And, and so here's the thing. I'm not saying it's not good. I'm not saying it's great. It sounds, it sounds familiar. And so, (laughs) and so like, I, I think it's, it sounds like good emo. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So that's my, and also even with that, that sounds like I'm saying it's boring. It's not. Um, I actually really like how I, I feel like the record is like, it's going somewhere after the last couple songs. Like we are, we're moving in a good direction. So. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm into it. I like, I, I agree. I like the, there cannot be a close second line, Chris. I feel like that you're right. It is a, it's a more poetic way to say that like you're number one, you know? And I like that. I feel like that's a good, um, uh, 
I don't know. I just feel like it's it's interesting to have like this whole thing be about a girlfriend and a grandma because it's it really is hard to tell which songs are about what. So right. like, um, by the way, I'm in some of the things I've read. The song "Priceless" has in parentheses for Eleanor, which Eleanor definitely sounds like a grandma name. So Ooh, between Eleanor and Paula, that's yeah. Tough. And so, but like, yeah. So I'm 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 now. I'm now confused uh, and not sure. Maybe Paula was the girlfriend. I went you to high school with a girl between named Paula. Eleanor and Paula. I know what I'm choosing <laughs> for the grandma anyway. Yeah, I mean, Eleanor is... <laughs> I definitely did not go to high school with any Eleanors. No. Um, Maybe Ellie for short? I was going to say, mm-hmm. I actually think my sister-in-law, her name is Eleanor. <laughs> well, right, but... Uh, okay, <laughs> She's well. Ellie, so... Okay, well, maybe. So, who knows? I mean, we really don't. It's a mystery. No one can know. We can't find this out. Guys, Aaron Marsh probably knows. He probably knows. He might, but there's no way to know. (laughs) There's no (laughs) way to know if he knows. There are two... The the names are... If a name... If I may... a name can't be specific, but those are specific names. (laughs) In that, like, I I would hate to think that you'd be like, well, I don't want to say her real name. Paula. I'll go with Paula. You know what I oh, mean? Oh yeah, like it's a, it's really someone's name. Yeah, we're not what? doing one of those things where I substitute a fake name in and I'm really talking about someone else. Yeah, you're right. It's like there is a Paula and there is an Eleanor. What if it's that about Paula somewhere. Dean? I don't think she was famous at this point. Was she? I think she's always uh, maybe been she was famous regionally famous. She's from regionally. that. She name. is from the south. That's true. She is um, from the south. Could be, um, Mr. Marsh. We have questions. We need cleared we up. We do have questions, but uh, but yeah, I just it. like I feel like most of these songs I look at and I go like, well, I wonder which one this is about. And sometimes it's really hard to figure it out. I feel like, which I think is a a good thing lyrically Absolutely. that you can't tell if he's talking about the grandmother he loves or the girlfriend he loves. I feel like that's a good thing potentially. Yeah, uh, great lyrics are timeless and can be applied to different situations. That's right. when you know you're doing it right. Right, which makes it you know especially weird that I was like making out to win Paula Sparks, but <laughs> you know Ooh. <laughs> only weird when you so, say it out loud like that. Well, I guess yeah. So okay, uh, <laughs> okay. So here's this is interesting for Kyle specifically since he had just heard this song. Does it remind you of any other song? I'm gonna see if you guys can pin this note, pin this, pin this. You should know, you definitely know this song, and I would think that you, um, okay, you're not gonna guess it. it. All that she wants by Ace of Bass, that's not it, but that's a good guess. Um, that song has an oboe in it, so uh, the. If you, uh, for podcast listeners, you may have heard something that sounds very similar to this at the start of this podcast because I 112% ripped oh, off this no song way. for I hear my song. You hear it now? Yes. Okay. My, the moment you started speaking, I, I heard that, like the drums. Yep. That's okay. awesome. So nice. I... so. The the backstory is that the the intro and outro of our podcast is really just one of my solo songs that I took the stems and made a 30-second clip of or whatever. It's a song I wrote called Everything Falls, and it was slower. It was like 20 BPM slower than it is now. And one night, one day I was listening to this song in my car, and I was like, I couldn't quite figure out the song. It was this piano thing, and, and anyway, which you don't hear much of the piano on the part we do in the song, because that's the end of the song. But the intro of the song is this piano part, and I couldn't figure out what to do with the rest of the song. I just could never quite figure out what to do. 
And then I was listening to this song and I was like, that's what it has to have is that driving eighth note kick drum kind of thing. And I need to speed it up like 20 BPM. And so I did. I literally just went into GarageBand because it was all MIDI and I just turned the tempo up and then I MIDI drummed that thing. And then I had Jeff Hall actually play the drums, you know, well <laughs> on move. it. And, uh, and so, you know, I knew whenever we got around to doing this record, I was going to have to fess up that like this song 100% was like it shaped the entire. Uh, and then at that point, everything clicked together with the song. So unashamedly, Influenced. I'm telling you, it influenced me. Uh, I was listening in the car and I was like, that is the right tempo. That is the right beat for what I'm doing. Uh, and so I stole the beat. So um, let, let me just say something, Blake. Aaron, no matter what happened between me and you, Blake is his own person. Don't go after him. <laughs> no, I don't think you can sue someone for using a drum beat again. I'm though. just saying, <laughs> I don't want him to try because of how things went down between him and I. So now if you want to hear the full thing, you can go listen to my solo record. It's the uh, second track on the record. I think Question I can't mark? remember. <laughs> I think it's the second track. You, uh, can po- you should post the, you know, link. Show I'll notes. put a link. I'll put a link in the show notes. You'd think I'd remember my own track order, but I can't remember. It's, it's early in the record, but anyway, that was my, I, so I love this song. I think it's a great, great song. And obviously I stole the feel for it. Uh, so I'm very much into it. And it obviously influenced the music he for vibe, our podcast. Vibe jacked. <laughs> Let's go to uh, coffee. I just absolutely love how loose this song is. It's like, I, I don't feel like they even maybe did it to a click. I mean, it just feels really. What is groovy. this song for like a bunch of 20 year old guys in an emo band? This is insanely good. It is unfair. Good. It's really... It makes me mad. It's so good. Yeah. It, it's got like, it, you feel like you're in like a jazzy smoky club. It just grooves, yep. man. It's vibey. Yeah. Like some. Well, absolutely. it feels like you're in a coffee shop. I mean, that's what's even more brilliant. I mean, it's got layers. So, like, first of all, I love the idea. Like, for some reason, the the mental um, kind of picture of of getting coffee at night specifically. Like, I like that he's asking, like, if it's not too late for coffee. Like, the idea of, like, oh, we're going out late at night to get coffee or whatever. I just, I don't know. I, lo- I remember just, like, hanging out till whatever, two or three in the morning with people back when we were kids, you know? It's like, that's what we would do. We'd, like, go out and get, you know, for the there weren't very many places that were open serve. I mean, I don't drink coffee, but you know, that kind of thing, like a diner or, or a waffle house was a classic or IHOP back in the day. Village Inn. Going at, yeah. Any of those kind of like, this just reminds me of hanging out with people at a place like that. (laughs) Which one did you say, Kyle? Beverly's. Yeah. Beverly's was awesome. Absolutely. The Beverly's Um, vibe. They really did. <laughs> of like going the, there the at one in the morning. Was for them. They captured the vibe. Yeah. Uh, so I just, I, I feel exactly like I'm 20, early 20s, hanging out with friends, and, like in the middle the, of the, the night. And the outro uh, guitar, the line, and the bass following it just a bit, and the vox, the vocals following it just a bit. I mean, it's just, mwah. 
so good. Yeah, th- this is a really good one. I don't know that I ever saw them play this live. Actually, maybe um, I'd have to look back. I, I've wrote I wrote down most set lists, but so many of them were on paper or on stuff that I've, I gotta find them. But I don't think I saw them play this live, which bummed me out a little bit because it's a great song. I really like it, and it's uh, and like I said, I also like the layer of it feeling like I'm in kind of a coffee shop, and this band is playing maybe over in the corner or something. Uh, I feel like coffee shops always had that stage in the corner that was uh, like eight feet wide. <laughs> Kyle, <Tops. laughs> like besides could... coffee at ten o'clock, just being a monster of an idea at our age. Like, how did how did the vibe play for you, man? What'd you think? Yeah. Oh yeah, I mean honestly, it, like, I, I I really can't add to anything that you guys are saying. It, it's it's just got a cool vibe. Like, it was a it was a surprise for me in a really really nice way. Yeah, you know what other song, uh, remi- not reminds me of this song, and I don't know why I now think of it, but Kyle, what's the song? Is it the Menzingers, that song about getting Dr. Peppers in their water cups? No, no uh, that's Origami uh, Angel. That's Origami Angel. Uh, yeah, what that, a great song. That song, that lyric does the same thing for me. It's Freaking like, on, takes you to I'm, a place. It takes you to a place and goes yeah. like, I mean, that was, we did that. You know, I just, and it's such a stupid thing to write. I mean, it seems case, like it's a stupid thing to write in a song, but yeah. I love it. It's so relatable. Yeah, in case anybody's wondering, the line is, uh, and we can fill up both of our water cups with Dr. Pepper and then act like we paid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, a, uh, that's a great song and a great album. Yep. Um, we could do that on this one, right? I mean, even if it's newer, we can start doing newer. Well, they're about, I think I think they just put out a new record. That record's fantastic, yep. uh, and I love it. So we should we should do some newer emo records. I think that we're allowed because that same article, that Vulture article that I was talking about, it had a bunch of stuff from like yeah. 2019 and 2017 and stuff. So I'm like, okay, we're gonna start doing. Also, I don't know do- if you guys are weirded out by this or not, but like pop punk and and ska and all of that stuff, it's like it's yep. coming back. Like it's Machine Gun Kelly put out a freaking pop punk record. I mean, Wild. I believe it. Everything's cyclical, and we're twenty we're, years out. <laughs> it just, yeah, more it than just that. feels weird being in it. You know what I mean? Like this is the yeah. first time that's like, oh yeah, this is this was popular, and this is being recycled. So, so at some point, despite the uh, opening line of this being about early two thousands uh, albums, we will probably start diving into change, uh, change the opening line. Well, no, we'll just. Who cares? We can do whatever we want. We'll we'll do some 2010 stuff too at Let's some put point. Put some beeps in there. Who knows? Maybe next episodes. week. Maybe next Stay week we'll do tuned. one. Uh, who knows? <laughs> Stay tuned. You never, you won't know if you don't <laughs> subscribe. Uh, it's like no one's I'll like. Okay, I'll hit the wow, button. I'm gonna subscribe. You guys now. got me. Uh, let's. <laughs> You got it. Oh, if we're going to 2013, I'm in. Okay, uh, walking downtown, track ten. Here we go. This one was uh, a single from the record, actually. I mean, they did have a video and stuff, um, which I always thought was a little 
strange. I like this song a lot, but I feel like Take Care is uh, more of a like, oh yeah, that's a single. Or um, There Cannot Be a Close Second would be another one. Um, or Testing the Strong Ones. I feel like all three of those are uh, more singly than Walking Downtown, but it's a good song. Kyle, what are your thoughts on it as someone that uh, is fresh to it? Dude, I am <laughs> shocked that this is a single because honestly, this is a no for me, dog. It's like, a no is, for you, Doug. It's not. It's not bad. It's just like this is not the one. Like, not even close. I just in real time just now found out that this was a single from you, and, <laughs> yeah. and I've never been more no angry. In my like, I can't life. believe that. <laughs> no, like, Do you like, think it was more of a it fit? It's a, a little formula more, more than the rest of it. It's a little more aggressive. That yeah. has to be it. And they're like, yeah, kids like this because my my note on this is I actually I don't care for the way he's singing on this song. He like. Throughout the entire rest of the record, he's not doing that like a like I don't know. It's kind of like throaty and like I almost I I wrote different singer question mark. I have no idea. I I don't like the way he sounds on it. So that's that's shocking to me. And also that's not me saying that I think it sucks. I, it does not deserve to be a single. And um, it just it, it, I'm not vibing on this one the way that I'm vibing on the rest of the songs. So. So I I think a really interesting litmus test that we can do now with Spotify uh, is that you can look at play counts on mm. stuff. And so I'm always interested to see on these older albums what gets the play counts because often, obviously, we're way past single time. So singles aren't necessarily getting Affecting like it. the play that like it would if it was a single right now. Obviously, right. that one's going to be super weighted. So uh, Walking Downtown has like 379,000, which is on par for a lot of the record it's like cannot be a close second is a little less than that uh you know paula sparks is a little bit more than that uh what do you i mean what do you think the one with the most is without looking it if i had to guess which song like how about this are you asking me which song i think is the best no which song do you think has the most plays on spotify of this album so for me i think take care is a is a jam like Take Care has 563,000, which okay, is so more. has more, but it's not the top. The top one has oh 2.4 million. It is it is it is it coffee? coffee? It's coffee. What? That's cool. I That's mean, really it, cool. so I mean it literally Do you know do you know what number 2 is? Brightest? With almost a million? That was my that Brightest. was my Oh yeah, Brightest. Secret guess for one, but I was like it can't be that obvious. Um but isn't that That's interesting cool. that like, you know, brightest, which is like so many people Dude, maybe leave yes. off an album is clearly resonates with people. I mean, to me, when you look at Spotify plays, like it's clearly what when different songs have different play counts, it's because people are putting them on playlist or they're you know jamming them all the time or whatever, especially now that people are so playlist centric and stuff and shuffling and, and whatnot. Uh, and so I just think it's interesting that like the two songs that I wouldn't have guessed would ha- be as popular are the most popular and by a lot too. Cause walking downtown has, like I said, 379,000 versus about a million for brightest and 2.4 for coffee. Yeah. It's just interesting to me. Like, and, and it's, uh, in, yeah. Uh, and, and, and but it also kind of proves your point, Kyle. I think that it makes it not a great single. Cause if it was a great single, most bands, their top tracks of an album are going to be the singles, just yep. the natural occurrence of it. And I know they were a, small indie label and a band. I mean, it's like, 
you probably sought out the video. I'm sure it was shown on Fuse and MTV2 and stuff like that some, but, um, you know, well, I, I realized well, they weren't at the level of, like, All American Rejects singles or something. Well, I think that also... So it sounds, I, I, I guess I get why it was the single when I think about that time and maybe other bands that were popular, but like they didn't sound like those bands and all the special moments on this record don't sound like this song. And so yes. it's just. It's I, I, just, I agree with you, Kyle. It doesn't, it really, I like the song fine, but it doesn't fit as well on this. Like it feels out of place more than anything else on this record. Yeah. It makes you wonder if it was one of those like, later well i mean it can sometimes it can go either way early on in the process or later on in the process like oh we got this and what do you think of this we tried it this we tried something like this and came up with this it, like an an afterthought or like a early demo I, I wonder i wonder what the how this started because well, for me it, it's not a single you know, I feel like they didn't love it either, though, because they didn't. I remember specifically they didn't. And well, they kind of tuck it at the back of the album uh, because too. one time I, yeah, and I asked about it because we knew a girl that dated him when mm. the second record was out. Hey, did and... he ever make out with you to walk in downtown? No, but like I was, <laughs> I was just like, uh, I was just talking to her about the set, and there were two songs that I was really surprised weren't in the set list, and this was one of them because I remember just being like. I mean, it was just interesting that they didn't play the single or whatever. And I don't remember the explanation or anything. The other explanation for one of the songs was, oddly enough, Your Love is a Fast Song. And it's because she was just like belting that part at the end every night. Yeah. <laughs> just kind of wears your vocals out. Uh, so I remember her explanation for that. But, uh, you know, I don't remember walking down. But I remember they didn't play it because I remember just being like, oh, that's interesting. Because, But I don't feel like it was like a screw you either. You know how like. It's like Ken and Crow's not playing Mr. Jones because they felt kind of weird about it or whatever because then they were famous and it was a song about wanting to be famous. I get that that's a little bit weird maybe, but I, I feel like they probably just thought it was like an okay song and and didn't feel like it had a great spot in their set list. Um, but anyway, it's interesting. I, so it might have just been a, a total label move. It probably was, would be my guess. But um, shall we go to the last track, When Finally Set Free? Well, let's do it. Here we go. Chris, thoughts? You know, I'm not sure what's going on with this song. It's kind of just a showcase of like different things happening <laughs> musically, and I, I don't know, man. I guess you have to end this uh, end an album somehow. I think uh, Chroma, if I remember correctly, has a song called A that ends in that a similar way. Totally rips this off. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm not like, crazy, and not That's in all. a yeah. <laughs> No, not, I mean, and look, we've been talking about like influences and stuff like that, but like that, yeah, on that Chroma Border, album, that last track. Copy. Um, it's not technically because really that, that song on Chroma, which I do like, but it's really, it's yeah. like, um, it's like the last track on that John Billion and It's actually like, it has clips of the other songs oh, in yeah. it, like Love melody that. lines and stuff like that. So it's kind of a cool thing. Although, cool, yeah. 
the downside to it, I would say for cartel would be that, um, I had been listening to that album for a long time before I realized it had parts from other songs in it, because that's how much that album kind of together <laughs> a little mm. bit sometimes. <laughs> so yeah. Like I was like, Oh wait, that's the line from tracks. Oh, they're doing a thing. And I didn't catch on to it for that long. Um, but yes, it had the same exact vibe of the electronic stuff, which is clearly like Copeland gets more into as it goes on. Like, I think they didn't do much of that on this one, but like as the albums go on, like he, he's more, especially like the, the really uh, recent stuff. And he even did a side project. Oh gosh, what's it called? Something rabbit. Um, I can't remember, but with a guy where he was like, it's all like programmed and him singing over it and stuff like that. So think he's into that kind of thing but it does feel a little bit out of left field a little bit for the rest of this record i agree but i do like it as a last track because it's kind yeah, of yeah. um it feels like a last track it it, it like this is yeah it, it this song's utility is like to kind of wrap everything up and but it's not something you would like put on a mixtape you would oh you've got to hear this copeland song uh you know we, we when finally set free it, it just you know yeah, it, it, it's its purpose is like to fulfill the ending of this album. Yeah. And I mean, look, this one, like clearly about the grandma, though, I mean, for most for the most part, we are uh, kind of maybe a little bit obscuring what we're really talking about. But I mean, this one, I mean, clearly, and I think the, the title says enough about it. But uh, so I like it. I think it's a good I think it's a good ending track. Kyle, where, where are you at on it? Um, I think. I thought it was good. I I thought I'm, I'm I'm probably somewhere in between you guys. Like I I thought it was fine. I think a lot of the stuff that's going on is cool, um, and and I think it sounds like an in track. Yeah, which I'm 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 all for the the in track that is literally for the purpose of being the last track on the record. Like I like that. Yeah. Um, I like it more than. We, we talk a lot about the last two tracks of records and, and yeah. uh, did they get the order right? And I think we're right here. I mean, I think that it is weird to have the single from the album be the second to last track. It does feel like it just is kind of uh, in there. Um, and I almost agree. You could almost like, well, well, I guess we'll talk about that in a second. So let's, okay, let's go to that. So let's go to lasting impressions. Uh, does it hold up? And this will be an interesting one because Chris and I are coming from having heard this from, 18 years ago and Kyle's coming at it from being brand new. So let's go to Kyle first because I'm interested to, interested to know what you feel like listening to this now. So like I said before, there's no way that I can listen to this and not like there were a couple times that I mentioned, I immediately thought of other songs from other artists. So I can't, I can't listen to it without recognizing who it influenced. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, I think it hold it holds up. It, it, it inspired other artists to make music that I love. And, um, and it still sounds, it still sounds really good. And like, although it captures a moment in time, I think like sound wise, it doesn't sound bad, you know, like I, it's, it still sounds good and it still rocks. So yeah, I think so. Chris, what are your thoughts on it? Holding up. Uh, uh, You know, it, there are some songs that are, I I don't want to use the word dated I, I as in meaning I don't want it to sound like it like they're from a time and like they just don't have relevance anymore but it Kyle what Kyle was saying could not have struck a stronger chord with me about it just like taking you to a time and place um so in some respects it, it, in that way I I almost want to say it doesn't quite hold up but it that doesn't end up being true at all because 
revisiting the record, I kind of learned to respect like what was happening musically in a new and more profound way that I didn't when I was younger. And I mean, I know we talked, we went nuts about the coffee song, but it, that's such a mature, incredible song. I mean, that I, I feel like I need to put that on, um, like, like on dinner party playlists and things like that. Like it, it just, it, it, they, they just have some really interesting musical things that they did. They, and even though they kind of captured the essence of the era at the time, I also think that it absolutely holds up. Um, there's a few songs that kind of feel a little like, like maybe they should just stay back in that time. Like they don't like, they don't hold up quite as well as they would today. Yeah. You couldn't play it for a younger kid today and be like, isn't this cool? And they'd be like, that is not cool. Dude. Yeah. Um, it but, would sound like all other emo to them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but, would, but then I there's mean, these like, you know, these, there's these variations on that, that um, are, are do, that's not the case at all. Yeah, I think so. For me, I really love this record, but I also feel like there are definitely parts of it that felt like they were doing what was, um, I don't want to say popular because I don't feel like this record sounds like some other thing or something like that at the time, but some of it does feel like, oh, but that's, you know, that's what, you know, whereas when they took the risks, I feel like they got rewarded more. I mean, you look at the Spotify play count and you look at like Brightest and Coffee and, uh, I mean, I think even in Paula Sparks in California kind of with that going on and stuff, because uh, I think those are the ones that most people were like super attracted to at the time. Those were the kind of songs that everyone was like, if they were going to play a song for someone, it was like those two songs. It's like, oh, check this out. Um, but some of it does feel like, you know, I can see how it would like blend with a lot of other stuff that happened around then. But I do wonder, like, I mean, how much of that is because they influenced people and then it, we, we're really, we really have the fatigue from other people doing what Copeland did. Um, and so, um, which is kind of interesting because I feel like there was a lot more, keep in mind, uh, the other thing that happened right around this time is that, uh, Coldplay is gigantic. And so Copeland got a lot of like, oh, they're kind of Coldplay-ish, which I think is mostly because he played piano sometimes and had, and sang falsetto sometimes. I really don't hear a lot of similarities between those two bands, but you did have a lot of people start sounding like, I feel feel like in the vein of that kind of thing and doing the falsetto thing and some of that stuff. And so I think people got a little bit, um, worn down by it a little bit, maybe uh, at the time, because there was just so much of that going on at the time. And it is so odd to think this, this kind of predated that. I mean, in some ways they, yeah, a little bit like, so, um, let's see. Um, I'd I'd have to look up. I mean, I know that, um, Rush Blood of the Head came out in 2002 so that came out just the year, like about eight months before this album came out. And that album was obviously really big and the scientist and all that stuff. And so I, I, you know, I feel like a lot of people started doing that thing. And so I think that's why it feels like 2003. It's not so much that it's because there was so much that came after it that sounded like in this sort of vein ish. Um, but I, I think it's still a good record. Um, which brings us to the next one. Is it their best album? And I'm going to guess that Kyle does not have enough uh, <laughs> knowledge of the discography to know. Although, did you listen to the other albums at all, Kyle? I did. That's okay. the thing. So, like, I, I listened. Uh, let me see. I, I don't. I didn't listen to them, to them enough to, like, have everything, all their. Did you have one that, like, just stuck out more the um, first time you listened to it? I mean, I, I assume you didn't get to do a deep dive on any of them. So... Mm, I believe the Copeland record I listen to the most is "You Are My Sunshine." Mm-hmm. So, 
So that but one I, kind of. But, but I also don't feel like I'm qualified. I listen to other Copeland records, but I don't feel like I'm qualified to answer this question. That's okay. I mean, I feel like I'm, I'm always just interested to know what you think about you. I mean, obviously I'm interested in what you think, but I'm also interested in like what anyone that hasn't like delved into a catalog and isn't already a fan thinks, because I think sometimes you, the, those people have the most interesting um, opinions because they're, they're literally void of any of the like baggage, you know, cause there's some people who are like, Oh, I like their old stuff. Cause it's before they were popular, which is like my least favorite thing people say. Mm-hmm. And then there's other people that are like, you know, they just like whatever was the thing they were introduced to. Like that's the album that, and, and no one really has an objective view of it. I mean, I know it's a subjective thing. You're asking people about music, but it, I, I just enjoy asking people like when you haven't heard any of it, what's the one that stuck with you? So it's interesting. That it's, I, think it's, I think it's you're my sunshine for me. Chris, do you have an opinion? Uh, it's, I, I, it's crazy that Kyle said that, like being new. I don't know. In Motion's kind of hard to beat, though, too. Um, it's also a great record. I feel like um, they did um, a really good job for a sophomore record. In Motion is, yeah. to me, a step up from this record. Um, and then Eat, Sleep, Repeat, I think, is my favorite, though. Um, it's just, I feel like they did a nice little ramp up. And what's weird is that I really did not like Eat, Sleep, Repeat when it first came out. And it took me... It probably took me like five or six listens of it. And I, in fact, I remember hearing Eat Sleep. Like, first of all, it was just the wrong place, wrong time. I remember like being in my girlfriend's car driving like through Ohio with no air conditioning with the windows down. You can't. <laughs> that's not a Copeland's not. That's not the vibe. And not uh, the vibe. And then I remember like a venue was playing it. And finally, I was like, OK, like, you know, with it in the background and kind of not. And I started like noticing things like because I wasn't actively listening. And that's when I was like wait a minute, I think I like this record. And then I started listening and I was like, okay, no, I think, so I think Easily Repeat is my favorite one. Although, um, I've never done the Ixora twin thing for you guys, right? Nope. You keep uh, promising you. Will. Uh, we got to do it sometimes. So uh, for those that know, don't know that Copeland, when they, so they took like a hiatus in like 2010, they come back in 2014, I think, and do a record called Ixora. And they did it like kind of crowdfunding style. They did like the, Hey, you know, help us make this record. And, and so part of the deal of that, if, and of course I was a huge Copeland fan. So I was like, I will pay you the money and let you make the record. Well, part of the deal of that is like everyone that did the pre-order basically helped fund the record, got this version of the record that had two discs and two totally different mixes of the record that you could play independent, independently or together. So there were literally vocal parts on one CD that weren't on the other one. And there were like parts that, and, and so you could listen to them individually. Like it was a mix. It wasn't like, um, was but it then you, weird if you listen to one, like you, you could listen to one or the other. Yeah. And you right? listen to one okay. or the other, or you could listen to them together. So they're like, literally it was like, you either have to get, you have to get two CD players. So what I did was like, I of course, you know, went full nerd on it and put it in logic. And then I can run two speakers through my sound card behind me and two in front of me. And you, I can play the whole thing in like this weird surround sound thing, but it's not like a gimmicky thing. It's like the coolest production thing I've ever heard on a record, That's like awesome. ever. And so, but unfortunately, I mean, literally I have to set up a second set of speakers and like, you have to come sit in this chair <laughs> that I'm sitting in, in my office and, uh, and listen to the record. So yeah, we need Kyle, you got to come do it sometime. Uh, cause it's got some stuff on it that I'm just like, it's amazing. It's not necessarily my favorite album of theirs song for song wise, but production wise, it's the coolest thing 
uh, and, and a pretty ambitious thing to do for a band that like literally crowdfunded the record to, to do it. They were like, yeah, we're going to mix two. And I think it was actually a little delayed. They were like, Hey, we're going to send you the twin version, but, uh, it's delayed because it took a lot longer for us to, we thought this would be easier than it was. It was a lot harder to mix apparently, um, to records that then work well when you play them together. Um, so I think that's one of the more creative things I've ever heard someone do. So I feel like he just got better after this album, but it's still a really good album and I don't want to dog on it, but I, I'm with you, Chris. I think in motion's a fantastic record and edges this one out a little bit. And then eat, sleep, repeat also edges those both out. And I love you are my sunshine too, Kyle. Cool. I really feel like it's a little like Jimmy world for me. I really just like those four records a lot. It's hard for me to pick. Um, so that's my long winded way of saying, no, I don't think it's their their best album, but it's, no. it's still very good. Um, and then I always ask, is it their most important album? It's hard to know with a smaller band like this. I mean, I think it's a great debut record, um, but... Oh, absolutely. I think they did cooler stuff with the stuff that followed. Yep. Yeah. Um, okay, so Desert Island songs, two or three of your favorites. Kyle, I'm interested to hear yours. So my three are brightest... Take care, and she changes her mind. Those are good ones, Chris. What are yours? Um, I love brightest. I like I said, my near and dear to my heart is just great memories of hearing that song for the first time on Rory's floor, like in you know sleeping in my sleeping bag, um, ten ten second ESP. So I didn't have to worry about getting excited, no, nope. shaking a CD player with with the thrill. Um. It, it wasn't going to skip. And then uh, when Paula Sparks, that song's just impossible to beat. I, coffee, man. Love coffee. Coffee's a great song. It's really hard for me to pick three on this one. Uh, I think I go... I think there cannot be a close second because, you know, I ripped it off and whatnot. Uh, it's a great song. And I think I have to go Paula Sparks in California back to back, but... It's so hard, it's to, hard leave, to beat. It's really hard to leave brightest off this list though. Cause it really is a beautiful song. So, um, yeah, I think those would be my three. Uh, what about nobody's perfect? I think we know that Kyle's is going to be walking downtown. Is that fair to fair That's to guess it. based on your the single? No for you dog. Uh, so the single, I mean, is that the first time a single has gotten the, it's a no for me dog. Nobody's perfect. On what does this it podcast? even mean though? Single. It just means some people at the label, pick like you know i don't know like blindfold themselves and put their finger down on the track listing right but they think that's the track that's going to attract people to the band in the album wrong and so um i do wonder if they could have benefited from a from a better single decision but i don't know i mean i have no idea what went into it uh chris is that yours or do you have a different one no it was mine Uh, i didn't talk much about it but yeah that that song just feels very abrupt to me just kind (laughs) of comes out comes at you a little too hot I, i'm with kyle on that one that was that was my it's redundant too i think oh, I'm w- t- yeah rhyming town with town not yeah i think i'm with you guys too i think i um i think that might be the weakest song on the record i don't think it's a um which is just weird like i said it's not it's not bad it just doesn't it's feel like the song. rest of the record it's not a bad song it just feels um like nobody's perfect Exactly. Seems We're not saying it's terrible. Even. It didn't get a crap sandwich from Chris. It's not no, that no. bad. No. 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 Um, Grower it's not, not even a show. Bad. No, it's not even bad. It's, it's still a good song. We're just literally, we have to do this if we're going to pick one. Okay. It's the law. 
Uh, grower, not a shower. Do you guys have uh, one that uh, I, I maybe wasn't your favorite? One. Yeah, you. Kyle can't have one. He's only listened to this record for the first time, like um, ever. Uh, Chris, do you have a grower, not a shower? I don't remember the song Coffee having any influence on me whatsoever. And when I revisited, it was like my favorite song on the record. So obviously that one wins hands down for me. I think it's this award. I think it's Coffee or When Finally Set Free for me. I feel like I didn't appreciate them as much. And, uh, and, and I also, um, uh, I don't think I, I think the nostalgia of coffee, of the song Coffee, you know, of like, oh, like that didn't mean as much to me when I was 20 if that makes sense. Like, like going out and like the sentimentality of that and the, the lyrics just mean so much more to me now as someone that, uh, could not possibly go out at two in the morning to IHOP. <laughs> I, would, I would maybe physically die. Uh, so, uh, you know, I think that, that sounds like a nightmare to yeah, be honest. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, I've not been to an IHOP in, I can't remember how long and I've not been to Beverly's in forever. And I certainly haven't been to either one of those establishments after the hour of uh, midnight. Uh, so, uh, you know, I feel like I'm a little nostalgic for that maybe. And so that's why the song has also grown on me. Uh, so I, I think I'm with you on, on those two. And I think when finally set free is just because it is kind of a last track kind of thing. And so I feel like it's, more, it's a real kind of grower and, and warm kind of warm up on you. So, um, well, I think that's it for us. Uh, so thanks for listening. And again, if you like what you hear, you know, consider giving us a review on iTunes or subscribing to us so that podcasts just show up in your little device. Every couple weeks, you get the little notification that says finding emo has a new podcast and you get all excited. Um, and, uh, I don't know what we're doing next. We actually haven't picked it yet. So, but, uh, you can send us disagreements or comments or tell us that we got the state wrong, uh, that a band is from <laughs> any of these things are allowed. Uh, you can do them at info at finding emo pod or on any of the social media at finding emo pod. Um, other than that, we will catch you next time. Bye. Bye.